With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. to a pay site, which is cool. 
because if you have if you have the 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 product if if you have you know the things that are available you know that that you can charge for what made you decide to go to a pay site well it's actually an, you know an idea that I have been wanting to do or thought about doing for probably a good 4 or 5 years and basically i i just thought that now was as good a time as any because we we did have the product we've been around for almost 10 years i had all the archives of the show and and uh, there was enough demand where i thought that people would want to uh you know possibly pay for it you know and and then on top of that you know i thought there was enough uh enough extra stuff that we could put that would uh bring some value to the site so it was it it actually took me about a year to end up doing that once I decided to do that, just from the standpoint of uh, getting all the archives and um, putting them together for the site. And because, um, um, to be honest, with the, with all the old archives that we used to have, all the shows, um, a lot of them were as stupid as it sounds, but they were a lot more in cassette from way back in the day. So a lot of that was converting that to MP3, which is a tedious task, to say the least, and organizing everything and now pulling uh, interviews and putting them in separate files and whatnot. So uh, it took me a while to do it, but once we got it done and uh, we were able to create the site the way that we wanted to do it, um, you know, we decided to go forward and see how we would go. And, you know, it, it's been a process where we've always loved doing the show, but um, it's been kind of a labor of love. And now we're like, you know what, we can be a little bit more business-oriented with it where we can still have a lot of fun, but at the same time that, um, you know, if we can make a little bit of money as well for all the work that we've done, we felt that uh, that would be a nice thing to do too. So uh, that's exactly the direction we went, and uh, so far it's worked out. I, I have to agree. The, the, the site is slick. It's, it's easy to navigate. Um, it's top of the line. And you know what? I'm going to go on the record because I know the webmaster. The uh, Between the Ropes website does look better in outline it looks better than the Figure Four site, and those for those are for the Figure Four listeners out there. But <clears throat> now, as far as the archives, how many episodes do you have archived, and how long did it take you to upload them all? Um, well, um, I think I think the show that we did this past week was I think we've done four hundred. Yeah, four forty-eight, four forty-nine, somewhere around there. So. Like I said, we're coming up on 10 years of doing the show. So, um, like I said, it, it took me a while to put everything together because not only, you know, um, on, on the site do we have all the archives of the shows, but what I did was I pulled all the interviews off, too, because I know some people would just rather listen to interviews. So um, just organizing all that and giving everything uh, together. So um, it took me about a year to do everything, and, you know, I just wanted to kick myself in the ass the, the whole time considering that I should have been doing this all along. Instead of getting behind on everything, and uh, now I finally got all caught up. Tremendous, tremendous. Well, you've done, you know, uh, over 400 shows. Who's your personal favorite guest? Uh, it's tough, you know. That we've been lucky enough to talk to a lot of guys that we enjoy speaking with. Um, I, you know, I think Mick Foley and Chris Jericho have always been uh, the best for us just because they're very honest about it, they're very entertaining, they're easy to talk to. You don't even feel like you're interviewing somebody necessarily. You feel like you're just having a conversation with them for the most part. And, um, you know, they're, they're just good guys that are easy to talk to, you know, that, um, you know, and have done a lot in wrestling. 
and they understand the business a lot, and I think uh, you know that makes it even uh, easier to talk to somebody like that. You know, Chris is a guy that luckily we met uh, years ago and was has always been really good to us, and same with Mick. You know, to be able to speak with him as many times as we have, it has been uh, fantastic. Well, I, I, I've noticed that, that um, when you have guests on, um, it's a lot like how we do our show. It's more of guys, you know, sitting sitting up at a bar, having a beer, and just talking, as opposed to, <clears throat> you know, um, something that you would that you would hear on typical sports radio. And I, I love that type of, even though we're the anti-format, but that's, you know, the format that we do like because it's more of a discussion, you know, as opposed to, you know, something so stuffy. And, and, and I've noticed that um, also with, with the uh, guys that you have on your show, well, okay, we have the, the worker, which is Vito. You have Dickerman, the comic relief, and you're the straight guy. And it, it's, I've tried a, a quote-unquote three-man booth on a radio show, and it just hasn't worked for me. How do you get it to work? You know, it was something that originally we were a little bit wondering how, how that was going to happen because for uh, for years it was just me and Dickerman doing the show. And we had started a lot. Well, I can't even say that, to be honest with you, because we did have another friend of ours, uh, B. Randall, who originally started the show with us. But he was more of a producer and just kind of chimed in a little bit. But then once he left, it was definitely just me and Dickerman for a while. And we just thought it would be an easy transition to bring in Vito because we had gotten to know him, and I knew um, we thought that he could add some more perspective to the show and the role that he's in, and he's done that, and plus uh, he's very entertaining as well. So it's just one of those things of everybody kind of knowing your role, knowing where you fit in best, and just you know making sure that everybody has time to where they can say their point and we can fit it all in. And, you know, the more that you do it, uh, the easier it is where it's not forced. You don't feel like you're going out of your way. Everybody kind of knows when they're going to chime in. You know, the cool thing is it's not like it's something where one of us isn't uh, isn't there because we're all in the same studio together. It's not like somebody else is somewhere else. That can make it very difficult. But when you're all friends, when you're all in the same spot, and you're all working together, I think that kind of chemistry can come out. And once you get that down, it's, it's easy to keep that what. We know each other very well. We're all friends. We hang out on a regular basis, so that makes it, uh, you know, easier as well. But uh, doing it for a while and just kind of getting in that rhythm has made it to where it's not even a chore anymore to try to, to make it work with three guys doing the show. Well, Vito does uh, – he does definitely bring something different to the table um, because he's been in there. You know, he, he's been in the New York locker room. You know, he's oh, been yeah. in the WCW locker room. You know, he knows um, – he knows the boys, you know, as far as the locker room type of atmosphere is. And then you know the boys as, you know, quote-unquote media, which I don't know if that's offensive to you or not. But uh, it's still no, – I don't think it is. I mean, I think I think the good thing that with a lot of the wrestlers that, that I know or I've been around or whatever is that luckily enough they respect the show um, for the people that do know it or the ones that don't, there is – Easy to talk to for the most part, guys. Guys will trust me enough because there's, there's always that thing, too, where if you're around wrestlers sometimes and you see them on, on their own, on their personal time, or even backstage at a show or whatever, there has to be a little bit of a trust value there. It's like, can I trust this guy or is he, he going to say something 
um, you know, on a radio show or in public somewhere that's going to say something that's going to make me look bad or something that, that's happened behind the scenes that, that I want to keep quiet or, you know, just different th- things like that. Sometimes it's not even something that's major. It's not something that would, the guy would look back anyway. You know, they just, you know, they know, hey, it's the wrestling business. They want to keep something quiet. And there's got to be a little bit of a trust value there, and I think I've built that up enough. And, and same with the other guys on the show as well, is that uh, I think people feel like they can trust us enough where if we're behind the scenes, we kind of know what can be talked about and what can't be because there's going to be some certain unwritten rules of things that you know guys don't want to be said in public. Mm. No, I have to agree with you. That's um, I've been – you know, um, getting my my name out per se up here. I'm I'm outside San Francisco, and as far as the independent companies around here, I've been you know going to shows. I have one of the companies as one of my sponsors, and you know it's more of a friendly type of of, of basis, and and that way you know it's more of uh, two peers, and I'm able to say, hey, you know, would you like to come on the show? You know, are you busy in a couple weeks? And that's. You know, I, I, I like that type of rapport with the boys because it's it's just so much easier to do business. You know what I mean? Yeah, and they don't they don't feel threatened by a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's obviously there's going to be uh, the the way. Here's the way that I look at it a lot of times. There's, there's a lot of different guys that are out there, whether it be uh, you know Meltzer or Brian Alvarez or or the PW Insiders of the world or different guys like that that do all do a great job. And they're able to report information and get things out there. And, you know, for a show like what we do, I'm not out there trying to break news. Every once in a while we'll get something, but I'm not going out of my way to try to break news. And that's not really the role that I have or something that I want to do. The role that we have is, hey, this information is out there. You know, we can credit different guys with, with that information that gets out there. Plus, we watch the different shows. We've followed it long enough to where we understand a lot of different things, you know, what's good, what's not good, or at least in our own opinion, what we think is good, not good. I mean, everybody's entitled to their own opinion, but that that's kind of the role that we have. So we're not sitting there saying, hey, we're trying to get to know guys because we want to get scoops from them. You know, every once in a while if we get one, that's all fine and dandy, but that's not what we're necessarily trying to do. Uh, our role is to put on a show that's entertaining, that people can find out some information, you know, when it comes to different things that are going on in the business, but at the same time they can be entertained by a show that, that talks about the business and shares their opinions with some insight and has some interviews and have some fun with it too. So, you know, that, that's kind of the role we have. And I think that for a lot of the wrestlers, not only do they respect the opinions that we have, but they know that, you know, they're not worried about us saying, hey, you know what, we're trying to hang around here and trying to get to know you because, hey, we want to get the, the 411 on whatever went down, you know, and, and that's that's not the case. Well, that's, that's, that's a lot like, like we are. Um, we, you know, we're more for entertainment value, you know, and we're, we really don't go after big names. You know, we go more for indie guys, you know, indie promotions. You know, they can get their name out there and, and whatnot. But from time to time, we do get lucky as far as the news is concerned. Um, when uh, Baby Doll leaked out that Jake Roberts went into rehab at the expense of the WWE, we just by luck had Baby Doll scheduled for a show the day after. And we just got lucky, and she was able to explain herself. And I was like, oh, wow, okay, I got lucky. I didn't go yeah. out of my way to get this. Yeah, I just, it fell in my lap. And 
we you know we we don't quote unquote report news. We don't break anything. You know, we just talk about what's going on, and you know, we give our opinions and whatnot. Because to be honest, that's that's Dave's Dave's deal. That's Brian's deal. That's uh, Johnson's deal. We just don't do it. You know, I I sit on the phone for a couple hours, a couple nights a week, and I you know I talk shit to the boys. That's what we do. You know, and and there's there's enough news news sites out there. I you know we have RubberGuardRadio.com. Where where I have columnists that that just write about you know what they've seen the weekend before. I even have a couple of workers that write for me, and then we archive our shows. That's all it is, and it's simple. And this 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 thing that we do, you know, radio, or okay, I'm internet radio, you're real radio. But what we do is is supposed to be you know for the fans, you know, for the guys that wanna wanna listen to something on the way to work. You know that that's what I'm trying to trying to push my product to. Um, oh yeah, I mean you gotta have some fun with it. There's gotta be some entertainment value, you know. And like I said, with our show, I mean we we all know our role on the show. And I'm I, I understand every once in a while I can be a little funny, but I don't have the comedic value of a Dickerman or Vito. I know that. I'm not, I'm not stupid about it. I have my moments, but that's not my role on the show. You know, my role on the show is kind of to guide some things, you know, and kind of. Keep everybody going, you know, so we all, you know, stay on that even point, I guess, or whatever, direct the show in the right direction, you know, and then, you know, let those guys do what they do best, man. I mean, I'll, I'll be the first to admit that, you know, Dickerman and Vito are entertaining as hell. I think that's one of the things that's made the show work, you know, is not only being able to get some solid guests and, and you know, understand the business, you know, and be able to give educated opinions about different things, but also, you know, it's got to be the entertainment factor. And, you know, not only are those guys smart, you know, but they're entertaining. I mean, it's fun to do the show with those guys, you know. So that makes it real easy, you know, and it makes the show good. You know, if it was just me, um, I can only fathom to see what that show would be like. <laughs> well, uh... <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll freaking admit it because, you know, we, we have like this running joke, you know, because, I mean, I'm single, and both of those guys are married and have families. You know, Dickerman had a daughter uh, last year, and Vito's got three kids, you know. And so they're both very busy. They're both family guys. So, you know, know, there's a lot of times where something comes up and one of them can't come in. Anniversaries, birthdays, you know, something else. There's a family thing going on. There's some kind of emergency, whatever, you know. So, you know, and one of the running things is I've never missed a show. We've done it for almost 10 years. I've never once missed that show. But those guys have taken different nights off, you know, for and because they need to or they want to. And, I mean, hell, Vito missed a damn show a couple of weeks ago because he wanted to see Rush, the old fart. But, you know, you know it's fine. <laughs> so, so he went off and saw Rush, you know. And, and instead, you know, me and Dickerman did the show. But, you know, there's – we we have kind of this joke almost running around going, what the hell is going to happen one night when both of them have something going on? And I'm like, God, you know, I'm going to have to do the show by myself. I'm not saying I can't do it, but I don't think it's going to be as good because, you know, that entertainment value of those guys isn't going to be there. That You know, there's that, that built-in chemistry and that synergy that goes on with that, and that, that's not going to be there. But, you know, we're just waiting for the day when that's going to happen because – Something's going to happen, and I'm going to be rolling up there, and it's just going to be me. <laughs> well, then you can you can call me, and I'll come on in, and I'll help. Yeah, maybe I'll do that. Yeah. 
but I do have my my co-host Alex Saint has come out from under his rock. What's up, Alex? Oh, okay. Hey, what's going on? Hey, marine aviation can be kind of hectic sometimes. Hey, I saw you and Brian Fritz on, so I, I decided to tear myself away from work and uh, call in for a couple minutes. So uh, it's an honor to speak to you, Mr. Fritz. Um, my question is this. I, I don't want to – well, I have a couple of questions, as Casey always knows. But um, my, my big question is this. Now, I don't want to take any hits away from Brian and Dave's newsletter, but um, we all have an idea of why Michael P.S. Hayes is on his suspension. So I just would like to know your thoughts on uh, professional – professionalism inside a corporate workplace, which I think you're uh, somewhat um, you're familiar with, and then I'm in the military, so I'm familiar with it. So, I mean, I understand that, you know, people come from their different backgrounds, but what, what are your opinions on professionalism in the workplace? Well, you know, with a guy like, like Michael and some other guys, there's going to be that good old boy network. Because, I mean, like, like, like P.S., you know, he's been around the business for a long time, and he's come up in a different, in a, in a different era. You know, where where different things were more more accepted, and guys, you know, and to some extent, you know, people still do that. I mean, Michael is probably not the only one. Um, he's probably, he might be the only one in that company, but I'm just saying, when it comes to other companies and other businesses, stuff like this sometimes happens. You know, where where guys do, uh, you know, act in ways that they shouldn't do. Problem is now that we're in a more PC world and we're in a world where things get out a lot easier because of the internet, because of entertainment shows, and you know how far stretch you know everybody can be now. Because in the past, you know you couldn't even find anything out from side to side of the country for days. Now it's you know just a click of the mouse. So things like this just can't be accepted um, in this day and age to be acting the way that he has been. And, you know, using the kind of the language that he was, I mean, he can say, hey, this is just the way I've always been. I don't mean anything by it. And it's not anything that I think is, you know, vulgarity or, or putting somebody down. But, man, you, you, that's the way it is. You just can't use that kind of language. And he has to get that through his head saying, you know what, I, this, this might have been the way that I've always come up, and it, it's nothing wrong to me, but he has to realize that it is wrong, and he has to stop doing things like that. You know, he, you're with a, a publicly trained or uh, traded company. You're with a, a huge corporation, and things like that just cannot be accepted. And I'll tell you what, it, it's amazing that I don't know how long it's been going on for. If this is just an isolated incident, I don't believe it is, but it's amazing that it's taken this long for something to happen when it comes to a suspension, and it's something that's going to be, have to be corrected very quickly, or otherwise, you know, somebody else can make a big stink about it if something like this happens again. It, it has to be an isolated situation. It has to be something that's corrected immediately, and it can't happen again or else WWE's going to have to put their foot down. You know, and it's not just Hayes. I mean, if something like this happens with somebody else, you know, they need to be suspended. They need to be dealt with. It's just the way it is in this day and age. You can't be acting like that. Yeah, I totally agree, especially considering they had all three of the presidential candidates on their show on Monday, and then uh, stuff like that gets panted around the back. Not that it doesn't happen in other companies or other corporations, but, I mean, it's right. definitely that's, not. That's embarrassing. That's embarrassing when you're talking about WWE being this huge company that stretches out worldwide, this conglomerate, and then they have three people on their program on Monday night, like you said, that are running to be the president of the United States, to be, have to be the most powerful person in the world. And then one of your high-ranking officials in your company is still acting like that and using that kind of language and thinks, hey, you know what, 
it's okay. You know, come on, man. We're all just, we're all good old boys, you know. You know, I don't mean anything by it. Yeah, well, you know what? Somebody else is going to be offended by it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. And um, Ring of Honor, now, recently, they during WrestleMania weekend, they came and they uh, put on two shows in the Florida area. Um, I was wondering real quick, what are your thoughts on uh, the growth potential you see for Ring of Honor uh, 2009, 2010, if they don't get television, and then also if they do get television, how do you see it? Um, do you, do you see any growth in there? Well, how how far, how much further do you think the product will grow if they would get television? So it's well, kind of like a three-footer. <laughs> yeah, well, I think the good thing with with Kerry uh, Silkin with Gabe Sapolsky, they've done a great job with Ring of Honor. I think they know what their limits are. They know what their growth potential is, but at the same time, they don't want to just jump out there and say, we're going we're gonna to do this because we can do it. They want to take those baby steps because they still want to be a profitable company, and they don't want to do anything. It's going to damage the growth of that company going forward. Their business plan has been tremendous. I think um, the way that they've been able to make money and not only selling the shows you know, to the live crowd but obviously to the DVD audience has been tremendous. Um, they're doing the work with the pay-per-views right now, which – you know, they're not doing huge business with, obviously, but at the same time, I'm sure they're making a little bit of money or they're at least getting the name out there more. Um, a TV deal obviously would help them, but I think they're, they're only going to do one if it's beneficial for the company. If they're not going to do something that, where they say, hey, this is going to cost us a lot and we're going out on a limb here, it's a big risk. They want to put as little risk as possible in something like that. And, you know, going forward in the next few years, I mean, Ring of Honor, I think, has – you know, a lot of potential to still grow. It's not going to be WWE. I don't know if it will ever be TNA. It could possibly be a level of TNA, but I think that would be years away. But at the same time, their business plan has been good for them because they make money. And that's something that, you know, up until possibly this year, TNA hasn't been able to say. So I think I think Ring of Honor has a lot going for them, you know, the way that they kind of put their plan together business-wise, the style of their product is something that you don't see a lot of other places. Obviously, it's something different from WWE and from TNA. It's not everybody's cup of tea, but it's something that's worked for them. And, um, you know, I think – I think they're, they've still got some great years ahead of them. And, you know, I know that they're going to be expanding and starting to go to some other places. Uh, like you said, the, the first time they've ever come down to Central Florida was uh, during WrestleMania weekend. They're coming back again, I believe, in August, you know, down to, to run in the same building. I mean, they, that building, I believe, holds 1,500 people. They sold out both nights. One of the nights right there, I mean, literally, you could have walked from the building that they were at to the WWE Hall of Fame in about 30 seconds. They're that close. They're literally the the building where Ring of Honor ran, which is the downtown rec center here in Orlando, is just outside the parking lot of the Amway Arena where the Hall of Fame was. The Hall of Fame filled up with 10,000 people or whatever that was, and Ring of Honor was out there, and they sold out their show that same night. So, I mean, there's a lot of people that, that like Ring of Honor and the product that they have. So, you know, they're doing good business right now, and it'll be interesting to see where they go forward. Uh, do you see um, TNA maybe wanting – because obviously a company is going to want to stay around for a, a good amount of, a, amount of years. So do you think it would be in TNA's best interest since Ring of Honor does have contracts with their upper-tier talent to maybe start a developmental system somehow? I because think so. Because where is the next crop of talent going to come from you? Yeah, that's a big question, too, when it comes to WWE. Obviously, they got 40 championship wrestling, but, you know, that's just one territory. they got a lot of different wrestlers down there. Um, 
you know, I think that's a huge question going forward with the wrestling business is where's the next crop of talent going to be? Where are the stars of the future coming from? And there needs to be more developmental systems. I'm surprised WWE doesn't spend more money on it, and they don't have three or four different territories going. When it comes to TNA, I think it would love to do something. Um, I think they should hook out with Ohio Valley since WWE's not doing anything with them right now. I mean, I don't know how much money that would cost or or how that would all work, but I, I think that could be a good situation. You know, Booker T's got his group in Texas, which I think is doing well. You know, and there have been some talk when he was at WWE about him speaking with them about making that a developmental territory. So I, I'm, you know, some of these places, all they need is just a little bit of backing just to make sure that they, you know, they are safe monetarily, I guess would be the best way to say it. So, you know, they, we, they need more developmental territories, not only with WWE, but with TNA as, as the business goes forward. So that way you have a good, solid place where guys can learn, they can get the training that they need, and they can also get booked on some shows on a regular basis and get out there because that's the only way you're going to improve is going out there on a night-by-night basis and learn the craft, taking on different guys, wrestling in front of live audiences, and learning how to work in front of a live audience. It's one thing to go in a ring when you're just training and you're having a match that way. It's another when there's only 50 people in the building and you're trying to get everybody to pop you know, for stuff that you're doing and get into your match. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that WWE, I mean, because I, I, I guess we'll see in the next coming years how you know, uh, Florida Championship Wrestling will end up developing. But, I mean, WWE, I mean, if you ever go to a live WWE show, those guys, I mean, obviously, I mean, the guys on and the main events have been wrestling and weren't brought up to the developmental system, except for Randy Orton and a couple of others. But WWE guys are so incredibly solid in the ring. And I don't even know if it comes across that well on television, but in the ring, and it's, it's just amazing, and you don't see that like your standard independent show. So, I mean, definitely, I mean, you don't want to see the WWE product actually go down because they're not investing in the future. Oh, yeah. And that, that's what some people talk about when it comes to, like, at the end of the territory days, like somebody like a Chris Jericho and, and Raven, you know, and Raven obviously isn't with a major company right now, but... Uh, you know, and I, I think to some extent, somebody like a Jerry Lynn, you're talking about guys that were part of the territory days where they weren't to wrestle in front of those smaller crowds, and they toured the country, and they went to the small shows, and they had to go out there, and they had to learn their craft the hard way. And you just don't see that anymore. The business has changed, and it's not the wrestler's fault. You know, it, it's a different game out there where if a guy shows he has some potential or he has the right body, he, he has the athletic gifts, but, you know, he hasn't put it together to be a wrestler, but a company like WWE says, hey, man, you know, you've got the right look. We can train you. So guess what? You're not going to have to learn the wrestling business by going around and working a lot of, you know, shows that way or whatever. We're going to bring you in our developmental system, and if you start showing something or, you know, Vince McMahon or somebody in the creative team sees that and says, hey, you know what? This guy's not ready to in the ring yet totally, but – you know, he can kind of get by, but he's got the right look, and we think we got a gimmick for him. We think we got a storyline. Let's bring him up. Well, that's going to end up hurting the wrestler because they're not ready yet. It's going to end up hurting the WWE because storyline's not going to work if somebody's not ready. You know, bottom line, it's really going to hurt the wrestler because if they get brought up too soon, you know what? People will remember that saying, golly, they brought this guy up. He was a freaking joke, you know? So then what do they do? They take him back down. 
try to get them ready, you know, you know, polish them up, get them to improve, and try to bring them back. Well, a lot of times people are going to remember that first time, you know. So it, it, it's, it's a double-edged sword kind of, you know. But one thing I'll say with Florida Championship Wrestling, what they keep talking about doing and they're trying to implement is they want to do – um, they want a tour on a regular basis where they pick out some different cities throughout Florida and they can have the guys working four or five nights a week. So that way they're actually on the road. They're working in front of different crowds all the time. They're not working in the same building. They're not working just once, maybe twice a week. They, they want those guys out on the road and working as much as possible so they can improve and they can get used to being in front of those live audiences. Mm-hmm. And uh, have you had the opportunity to be able to go to any of the Florida Championship Wrestling shows? I haven't gone yet. I haven't been able to. I'd love to get down to Tampa or wherever they're going to be running next time and and go in to see a show. I said they're starting to put together, like, what their routine's going to be for for hitting different towns. But um, mostly right now they're down in the Tampa area, and I haven't gotten a chance to go down there yet. Yeah, it's unfortunate because I really was a really big fan of Cole Cabana and the independent scene, and then now he went to – OVW in Florida, and I haven't been able to see that much of him. It's really unfortunate. Who were some guys? I missed out on, I missed out on seeing Lacey Von Eric, man. I'm so disappointed in that. Jeez <laughs> almighty. Oh, we're going to see her. We're going to see her out here in San Francisco on June 7th. She is she oh. is working an independent date out here. So I oh, am man. going to see her in the flesh. Dude, they, they, were, they were advertising a while back when she was still there. It was going to be uh, – Lacey Von Erich versus Natty Neidhart. And I was just like, oh, my God. I'd love to go see that show. But, yeah, Miss yeah, like, I mean, we saw that, and we were like, our eyeballs about jumped out of our head. We're like, whoa. But, yeah. Didn't see it. Mm-mm. Who are yeah. some guys that you see in, in Ring of Honor or any other independent scene? And then uh, you think could be, you know, maybe future potential superstars for the World Wrestling Entertainment or someone, uh, a superstar on a national level. Um, hmm. You know, Nigel McGinnis has really improved. I mean, that's a guy that, yeah. you know, you, you see what he was and how quickly he's improved and what he is in the ring now and the way that he can, you know, not only wrestle, but wrestles a smart style and the way that he can cut promos. I mean, I, I remember when he had his tryout match with TNA a couple of years ago, and you could tell that he, I mean, he, he was trying so hard but, you know, he he didn't impress that night, unfortunately. And, you know, TNA didn't pick up on him and say, hey, he just had an off night. So, you know what, Nigel's just like, fine. You know, I'll go back to the drawing board. I'll just keep working, and uh, I'll continue to improve. And he's found a great spot for himself in Ring of Honor. But sooner or later, you know, Nigel is a guy that, that I think has a lot of potential that's that's really going to be a, a, a good star, you know, for, for – whether it be TNA or whether it be WWE, I think he's got a ton of potential in him. I remember I saw Nigel. I, I, I said this story a couple of weeks ago, but I remember I was at the Battle of Los Angeles that PWG puts on out, out here, and then Nigel was just at the, at the merchandise booth, and then Brian Alvarez was there, and I walked up to him and said, you know, Nigel, Nigel looks like a star. I mean, he was the right. only guy. I mean, Brooks brings out all the, you know, the top independent talent, like Danielson was there, and, you know, Alex Shelley was there. A lot of a lot of big name independent guys were there, and then Nigel was the only guy that came across as a star. Well, some of that's just the way you carry yourself. You know, the way you look overall. You know, and I think Nigel's got that look. Yeah, I I have to agree. Uh, I think we may have just lost Alex. 
I think his boss oh. may have walked up to his got, desk and. Did you just get sucked into the vortex right there? Is that what that was? Well, some say that the U.S. military is a vortex. So he, he is a Marine and he is on duty. So he he is uh, he, he was calling in from work. He he just had to had to talk to you. But um, gotcha. well, he did uh, bring up independent guys who you think you know would be able to make it at another level. Um, what do you think of this guy's a friend of our show and and he's probably my favorite independent performer now, Scrap Iron Adam Pierce. Um, you know I've heard a lot about him. Yeah, I haven't gotten an opportunity to see a lot of his work, but I mean, I mean he's gotten some good reviews from everything I understand. You know, and there's some other people whose opinions I trust that have talked about him. So I mean, there's another guy that. I think he's just looking for a break right now. You know, you know what part of the problem is too. It's like TNA's got a pretty full roster, so it's like, are they going to be bringing in more guys or not? And if so, you know, does that mean they're going to get rid of somebody else? Because one of the complaints people keep having about TNA is, hey, they, they, the roster is so packed. You know, some of these other guys, you're not giving much TV time to. They've got tons of potential. You know, we've seen what they've done on the Indies. Why aren't you giving them more time? So you've got to go against that. And then with WWE. You know, nine times out of ten, if not even more, you know, no one's going to come straight to the main roster. I mean, they're going to send them down to, you know, Florida Championship Wrestling or, or whatever. So it's tough for somebody really to find a slot on one of those brands right now. I mean, if if Cole Cabana can't just come right up. Yeah, I mean, you know. Like, he was ready two years ago. ago. Yeah, I'll give you another example of a guy that that, that I know that's been wrestling for a while now is Ricky Reyes. Mm-hmm. Because uh, Ricky, Ricky's down here, and he, had a, he, had a, he was with TNA for a very short time, and, you know, he was doing stuff with, uh, with Conan and them for a little while. He was, like, one of the extras for the, for the group. And, um, but they decided not to sign him to a contract, and he's still working a lot of independence. He's working down in Puerto Rico while he's the IWA champion. And Ricky, man, I mean, the guy can talk, the guy can work, the guy's got a great look. I mean, that he's just a guy. I'm sorry, what? Was that Machete? Yeah, yeah Machete. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And, and, I mean, he, he should be out. He should be with one of those companies right now. I mean, I think it's almost a crime that TNA hasn't signed him. I mean, he's, he's a perfect fit for them, I think. And, you know, I, I could see him working in WWE, too, you know. And this is a guy that... You know, within the next couple of years, he's got to be with one of those companies. If he's not, it's it's ridiculous. But, you know, he goes out there and he's having fun right now. He likes working in Puerto Rico. And, you know, he's a guy that you know, he's going to get he's going to get his break. I think, you know, for some of these guys, they got to keep the right attitude about it, too, saying, you know what? I, I know it can be very frustrating trying to get into one of those places where they want to work. But at the same time, you got to keep the right attitude. You got to keep going out there, got to keep busting your ass and, and doing the best you can. And hope that you get noticed and you get that break. Mm. Well, you you brought up the the Florida independent scene. Um, it sucks. I don't know if you would. I I know that there's there's guys running shows. There there are shows, but yeah. I I don't know. It it you see the attendance isn't what it should be considering. Uh, you know, just the the people that they have booked. Um, yeah, the- I will say, yeah, you know, there's, there's, a, there's not too many groups that are really running down in Florida right now, and there's really not a lot of groups that, that are running successfully. There's only a couple, like FXC Wrestling, which is a training school here in Orlando. They're starting to run shows now once a month, and they're pretty smart about the way they do it. Uh, they got a good building. 
Got a good set up. They, had, they just ran a show last weekend, and they actually had a good crowd of over a couple of, uh, I think it was over 200, 250, uh, maybe it was a little bit more than that even. So, I mean, they're they're doing solid for, you know, that that's their expectation for a show like that. I mean, that's good business for them. Was it a like they're running show? This, but yeah, but they but they bring in some other guys too. Like they'll 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 use not only just students, but they'll use other you know indie wrestlers from around the area too. Hmm. So that's cool. You know, like Kenny, that's, that's, Kenny that's King's the on that. Yeah, you know. So yeah, you know what part of the problem is too with some indies is it's like you you want to go out there, you want to put as much talent as possible, so spend money flying guys in, you know, but you can't bring in a lot of different guys because you look at it and say, okay, I'm bringing in. You know, whoever, but how many tickets is he really going to sell me? What kind of value am I going to get out of that? They overspend on their budget because you got to pay the guy, you got to fly him in, you got to pay for his hotel. It's just like, you know, it's great to say that I had such and such on my card, but okay, what did he mean to me come, you know, bottom line? You know, did I make money off the show because I brought so-and-so in and, you know, he sold me an extra X amount of tickets, you know? So use the talent that you've got in your area, you know, if you search, you know, enough and you've got a good area, you know, you can find guys that can work. You can put together a solid show, you know. I'm not saying everybody's going to be this great worker because obviously that's not going to happen. But you try to go out there and find the best guys you can and try to budget yourself and do a smart show. There's too many people yeah. right now that run shows. They're not smart about the way that they run it. And they want you know, and uh, yeah, they're, they're, that's a perfect example. <laughs> You know, Frank Goodman, man, he's running shows down here, and Frank's crazy, man. He's running these damn shows, and they're going four hours long. they got 12 matches on. Let me tell you, man, if you're a freaking promoter and you're running shows right now, why are you putting on 12 matches that are going on for four hours, and come the end of the night, everybody's just going to – the people that stick around, they're going to be moaning and groaning because they're going to be like, God, the show went on forever. And it's not TV. You know? It's not a TV yeah. taping. Right. You know, you know what? It, it, people – they're not going to be entertained by that. They're not going to get their value. You could say, oh, we got to get that, you know, they're paying X amount of money, you know, for to come to the show. No. Put on a show that goes two, two and a half hours. You've got six or seven matches. That's all you need. That is all you need. People can go out there. They have a good time. They have fun. They go home. You know what? You, they're not drained at the end of the night because the show went on forever. They didn't leave early because they're saying, I can't stick around anymore whatever, you know. And then on top of that, here's another practice that guys have to stop doing, okay? If somebody comes up to you and your promoter and they say, hey, man, we want to be on the show tonight. Um, you know, we've wrestled a little bit, you know, or we come from whatever school. We'll pay to be on the show. Okay, no, you're not getting on the show. You can't let guys say, I want to be on the show so bad, I will pay to be on the show because that means they suck and they're not worth anything, okay? They have no value. And it, it's just going to be a blemish on your show because that's happened at a Goodman show a couple of times. I went to a show one time with these guys at a Frank Goodman show at the Central Florida Fairgrounds. We're doing spots off the top of the side building that they have out there. Coming off the building, which is 10 feet high or 12 feet high, wherever the hell it is, and they're coming off through tables. And it's amazing that one of these guys, not both, didn't get killed. And... And I asked somebody, I go, how much did those guys get paid to do the show tonight? And they're like, oh, they paid Frank to be on. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> horrible. That, that's horrible. We, we don't have the 
we, we don't have the ticket seller issue out here. Um, yeah. You know, the, the the talent pool out here, it's there. There's more depth as far as talent, in ring actual talent, but there aren't as many guys out here. Um, right. And there are, you know, we we our scene is is coming back. It was gone for some years, and and it's it's coming back. And what what happens is we there are some training schools out here. And what happens is these kids are trained. Then they work on these student shows for the companies that that are you know teaching them. So the the companies that have uh, schools they run their own little small shows, and then they advance to quote unquote go out on their own, and they get booked on these other shows, and then it, you work your way up. And what they do is they bring in a couple couple out of town guys to put on top, um, or they they're local big stars or whatnot. And, I mean, a few weeks ago, I was at a show for my sponsor, Fog City Wrestling, and there were five shows that night in the San Francisco Bay Area. And I can't remember the last time that happened. And yeah, But that's, that's amazing, amazing that not only are there five shows, but guys all booking on the same night. It's like, mm-hmm. You know, and everybody drew 250 that night. Well, if everybody's drawing, then, you know, God bless them. You know, normally it doesn't work out that way where, you know, you're, if there's more than one show within, you know, a 50-mile radius, you know, that that could be bad news for one of them. Yeah, there were a lot of guys working doubles. You know, we had guys uh, guys at the opening match, and then they drive 30 miles, and they come come in hitting the main event at this other show. It's like, you know what, nice. dude, welcome to indie wrestling. <laughs> yeah, you know what, the only way I can see, like, shows – a lot of times working where you're booked on the same day as if it's an afternoon show and then a night show, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, this one... If it worked uh, out there, you know, then that means uh, somebody's doing something right right now. This one was, these two guys, they were in the um, they were in the opening match of this, this Lucha show, and it was it started at 5, so they got in the ring at 5. They were packed up and ready to leave about 5.30, so they made the Wait drive back Wait out to San Francisco. Yeah, hold on. You you mean there was an independent show that actually started on time? Yes, sir. We How we actually happen? start in time. We start on time out here in the Bay Area. That never happens here. Of course not. <laughs> of course not. Of course not. <clears throat> so, Mr. Fritz, have you ever been out here to San Francisco? I've never been to San Francisco. I have been to Los Angeles for one quick weekend one time. Uh, hang out with a friend, and that's it. I'd love to go back out there because I'm a huge Lakers fan. I've been watching them uh, in the playoff run so far, squashing the Denver Nuggets. So I'd love to come back out to California at some point. Cool. Well, you'll you'll have to come on out for for uh, Pro Wrestling Gorillas Battle of Los Angeles one year. Yeah, um, I keep hearing just, so many great things about that show, man. I, I mean, the whole weekend. I'd I'd love to get out there for something like that sometime. Well, they just go all out. You know, that's that's their yeah. WrestleMania, and you know they they scour the world to bring in talent. And yeah, you know it's it's I'm I'm really thinking about going down this time because I'm in Northern California, and, right? You know, I I have a family and and whatnot, so it's kind of tough to you know get on the road. You know, I've got to really plan ahead, and I'm really thinking about disappearing for that weekend. But yeah, it was funny because. If I can only share a room with Brian and Vinny, I'll be okay. Oh, there you go, man. Hey, <laughs> your mother's <laughs> little bandwagon, baby. 
So, I, I know, you know, it's, it's funny with a weekend like that, man. I remember when Mania just came to town, there were so many different things going on with them and, and Ring of Honor and TNA and all that stuff, and I was planning all this different stuff and, and uh, that I was going to go to. I was sitting there thinking, like, I'm going to hate wrestling after this weekend. I'm just going to absolutely hate it because I'm going to – it's going to be like an overkill, you know? And uh, and I didn't. Uh, I mean, there was some really good stuff there. I got lucky with that, you know, because of the Ric Flair stuff for the most part, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, But I was so worried that I was going to hate wrestling after that weekend. So I think I've proved to myself now that, like, okay, there can be some stuff where you can go for multiple days in a row and still not be sick of it. So, you know, for something like Battle of Los Angeles, I think that would be something pretty good to go to. Well, they, they bring in – the talent is so diverse – um, they bring in the uh, Dragon Gate guys, which are just amazing. If, if you've never seen the Dragon Gate guys, these guys are the okay. They make, no, I saw that the Ring of Honor brought Dragon Gate down here when they just came. Uh, they're just I I, I, can't, I can't even explain the Dragon Gate style. It's it's like bees in a beehive. They're just like all over the place. I, oh, I yeah. can't watch more than two of their matches at a time, or my head starts spinning. But I do love their product. That that's fun. They they they're bringing in Nigel, if I remember right, um, Danielson. You know, so they're going to have more of the technical European type, and then they have you know the, the stronger style. It's a really good mix. Um, but enough of putting them over. It's uh, been announced today. Dave has uh, dropped this news on his site that at least on the Blu-ray uh, DVD release for WrestleMania, they're going to have the complete. Hall of Fame ceremony. Mm. That's good news. That's very good news. And to be honest with you, we actually, none of us will ever see the true uh, full version of the Hall of Fame because Ric Flair didn't get to finish his speech, and he still had about 20 minutes to go. Well, from what I hear, he finished it in the bar. Um, Probably. <laughs> probably. So down in the, uh, the airport Marriott bar that... Uh, you had to be staying at the hotel to be able to get into the parking lot of even, and the WWE had that whole hotel on lockdown because they had every room rented for wrestlers, families, Make-A-Wish Foundation kids and their families, production people, office management. They had the entire hotel. I mean, you couldn't even get – literally, you couldn't get into the parking lot of the hotel unless you proved that you were staying there and you had to show your room key pass or you were important enough to wear – uh, someone from up on high in WWE got you through. Because otherwise, security was out there, and they'd be like, turn around, go, go. Can't come in. That's insane. That, that, that's just nuts how they, can, how they can just lock down, you know, a whole city block like that. It, I know. But, I you know, so I was hoping to actually hey. go. There was a couple of people I was actually going to meet with, and we were planning on meeting, like, at the – at the bar or the restaurant there in the Marriott, and we had been planning this leading up to uh, to WrestleMania when guys were going to be in town. And once that happened, I knew it just like, okay, we're either not going to meet, we're not going to meet there, because I know that I'm not going to be able to get in. And they didn't have the stroke to like get me in there, you know. So, but I mean, that's you know, WWE has to do that now to some extent because can you imagine if they let anybody get in there and word got out where they were staying? No, man, it would have been a madhouse. That happened in New York City. I went to WrestleMania 20, and word started getting out where the guys were staying, and they didn't have that hotel in lockdown. 
So, I mean, there's just a lobby full of people trying to get autographs and, and whatever, and they'd see somebody, and they'd all be screaming, and they'd be running through the lobby and running everywhere, and the wrestlers would be, like, scurrying to get on the elevator and go up to the rooms or whatever. So it was a madhouse. Well, you know, the boys, they, they really don't dig it when, you know, when fans come up to them like that. Um, I mean, I spent plenty of time, you know, with the boys after shows and whatnot, and in in the hotel type setting in the hotel bar type setting and they they seem to like it when you walk up and you're calm and you introduce yourself you know oh, yeah. maybe even buy him a drink or whatever and oh, then you have a conversation you know oh, because yeah. they are people they're people just like you yeah. just like me they're people they just happen yeah, I mean, to be on TV every Monday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday and yeah everybody's got to have their own personal time you know and yeah they're going to go out of their way like a lot of times to do things for fans and sign autographs and do whatever, but at the same time, man, they need to have their own little personal time. So, you know, you see people going nuts like that. It, it's a crazy scene to see, you know, what it is now when it comes to, to wrestling, especially WWE and how big it is and, you know, the the stars that they become, you know, and just it, it's to a point now with some of those guys where, you know, they can't even go out in public. You know, without getting mobbed, they can't go out to the grocery store. They can't, you know, do the simple things in life that, that you know we take for granted. Because if they go out in public, they just have to know, like, I know that people are going to be coming up to me and wanting autographs and pictures. And so, I guess, I mean, they're cool with that for the most part. But they just know that they have to expect that that their lives are going to be different than what they were before they got with WWE. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, it's kind of hard to to be walking down the street when you look like Dave Batista, you know. Obviously, very true. <laughs> he, he, him, and the Big Show kind of stand out a little bit. Um, but. yeah, just a little bit, you know. I mean, John Cena's the guy that I, I'll bet I'll bet John can't go anywhere without just tons of people coming up to him. Well, I need I I need a, your personal opinion. Do you think that Cena has used anything in the past? Hmm. I don't know. Um, I think with John, I'm trying to say, well, let me think here. John's a guy that's very open about some stuff, and he swore that he's never used steroids. Now, there's two ways to look at it. You can say, okay, the guy's been totally clean, and he hasn't. Or you can look at it from the standpoint of, you know, maybe he hasn't done steroids, but he's done something. He's done growth. He's done some HGH. And guys will say, it's not steroids. It's human growth. You know, but obviously it's, you know, a performance-enhancing drug. Because I've never heard him say, I've never done a performance-enhancing drug. But I've heard him say, I've never done steroids. Mm, so, good point. that being said, you know, seeing John from back in the day, you know, even before he got into WWE and... You know, he well, started he was, working out there in California. He was always ripped when he was the prototype out here in yeah, he's always He was always a big guy. He's you always know, he been was, huge. He's got to have yeah. some kind of amazing genetics. I mean, mm-hmm. he he's always been a big guy. He's always been heavy in the fitness. You know what? I'll, I'll take John at his word. When he says he hasn't done anything, I'll take him at his word. He's like one of the few guys I would actually do that with. Now, if it was proved that he actually was on something, I would not be shocked. But at the same time, I will 
I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, you know, but that will, you know, only go until, you know, we find out if anything else is proved about him and it said, hey, you know what, he did do something, then, you know, then he did something, you know, and I'm not going to be shocked and I'm not, not going to be like, oh, how dare that guy do that, you know. So I, I'm not the biggest fan of the guys doing it, but it happens. I understand it and I've, you know, accepted it. You know, I mean, I'm not going to take a moral high ground on it, you know, but, um, you know, I'm not really too worried about it. I don't think too many others are, too. I mean, I think the biggest thing would be how was he able to come back from that surgery as quickly as he was, as he did. And I think he said in interviews that it was a huge risk. I believe his doctor said it's a huge risk. Obviously, it is. But, you know, the guy does not want to miss out on events for wrestling, especially when it comes to WrestleMania. He doesn't want to miss out on being on part of that big event. He doesn't want to miss out on probably getting that big paycheck, too, you know. So, And I can't blame the guy. I, I have to agree, and you know the guy. The guy is dedicated, you know, and and he he used to bring his own meat with him, you know, on the road. Right. Um, you know, he. I think that that he would like you. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. With, with no John, problem. you know what? I, I will say this. I know there's a lot of people that are mixed on him when it comes to. You know what, they, they boom, you know, and they give them crap when it comes out there or whatever. But, man, I'll tell you what, there's nobody that's more dedicated to the wrestling business. Mm-hmm. There's nobody that has more passion for it. There's not a better mm-hmm. representative of the company for it. Exactly. Because the way that how professional that he acts both in and out of the ring. When this guy goes out there and he's part of a show, he busts his ass. He does everything that he can. You know, some people say, oh, the guy still can't wrestle. Well, he's not as bad of a wrestler as you might think. You know, I'm not saying that he's going to be this technical guru, but the guy has solid matches, and he and a lot of times he's had better than solid matches. I mean, he's had some great matches out there with Shawn Michaels and even some with Triple H and with uh, Chris Jericho. And I mean, the guy the guy can work, okay. And he goes out there, he puts on a hell of a show, he busts his hump. And if some of these other guys would have the kind of passion that you would have, you know, I would think that they would be better off for it too. Now, mind you. He's getting a huge opportunity, and guys aren't always going to get that kind of uh, opportunity when it comes to time-wise or whatever. But, you know, he put his heart and soul in everything. This is a guy that literally almost got cut from WWE years ago and because, you know, they just didn't see it in him. But he kept working at it. He kept working at it, and he finally got that break, you know, and he's made the most of it. And not only in the ring but outside the ring because the guy's smart. He's well-spoken. He, you know, dedicates – every moment of his life towards the wrestling business. And I'm not saying everybody has to do that, but, you know, keep the guy just loves what he does and you can see it out there. And, you know, I, for anybody to be down on him saying, Oh, this guy sucks. Eh, though he doesn't. I mean, you, I wish there was more guys in WWE that were like him and put that much work into what they do. And were as dedicated as John was or John is. Well, yeah. His, his work ethic is insane. I mean, the, the, yeah. Not just the not just the road, I mean not just the work. I mean the the PR he does, the the interviews, the TV, all that stuff. I mean the the charities, all that stuff. I mean this yeah. guy is on the road constantly. He ha- he does not have a life. He gets up. I mean, and I'm not saying that somebody trains. has to come up with that kind of schedule because obviously that that kind of schedule is you know absurd. You know, but. I, you know, that just adds to, like, the 
the lore and the legacy of, of John Cena, you know. And like I said, I'm not saying that somebody has to spend every waking moment, you know, doing, you know, PR appearances and charity and whatever. But, you know, it's nice to see. I mean, a lot of the guys there do a lot of charity. But, um, you know, he, he puts a, a lot of thought in everything that he does. He spends a lot of time on everything. And the guys, you know, and he does it because he enjoys it. And I think some other people, they put some time into different things because they're obligated to, but I don't think they enjoy it as much. They don't get as much out of it as John does. And that's another thing that makes it so special for him is that he enjoys it so much, and you can see that. Well, Mr. Fritz, i got to kick you off the air. Your hour is uh, Absolutely no problem. And I do really appreciate you coming on at such short notice and, and covering my back. I, I really appreciate it. Um, BetweenTheRopes.com, uh, sign up. It's what, three ninety nine a month? Three ninety five a month or six months or nineteen ninety five. Man, and all those archives. Today's watchword children archives. There Mr. Fritz, next time we're gonna have to have you and Vito on at the same time. Have a little ver- verbal debate. If we can um, get him off the couch. Maybe we could do something like that. And in the meantime, I'm off to watch Lost. Oh, awesome. Uh, oh, it is. It is. Uh, is it time, or do you have a dvr Oh, it's dvr you got to be kidding oh. me. I, 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 I dvr so many programs. Ridiculous. Okay, Brian, thanks for coming on again, brother. Um I will post a a link for de- for this to be downloaded on your message board once again at betweentheropes.com. We're all about chilling here, so once thanks again, brother, and I will be talking to you very soon. Sounds good, man. I'll catch up with you later. All right, thanks, brother. Okay, that was the world famous and kind of sexy, not quite sexy, but kind of sexy Brian Fritz from betweentheropes.com. Um, that was one hell of a discussion. <sighs> we're at the halftime mark, so what we're going to do is I am going to run down the sponsors, FogCityWrestling.com. Uh, if you're anywhere in Northern California and you dig independent pro wrestling, Fog City's for you. And the second spot would have to be WrestleWarehouse.com. Um, for all your wrestling DVD needs, um, Lucha Libre masks. Uh, Jeff's got a really neat selection of masks, uh, T-shirts, um, SoCal Pro DVDs, all kinds of other stuff, WrestleWarehouse.com. And I think on the line I may have the pimp daddy himself, Mike Sawyer. Michael, good evening. Hey, what's going on, buddy? Ah, oh, man. I, I, after an hour with Fritz, I'm blown up. I heard some of it. Fritz, Fritz is a good man. I uh, had the pleasure of uh, spending that weekend last year when they had the little convention with uh, with Brian and we uh, hit scores and we had a uh, MMA show, he's a very fine man. Oh, wow, I was I was waiting for Ed to call in from San Antonio. Man, I'm blowing up. I'm like I'm waiting for the hot tag. I'm like, come on, Ed, come on, Ed. And he turned yeah, me. I'm surprised he he loves Fritz. <laughs> Actually, he loves Brian. I'm surprised he didn't call in. This this is a shoot. This is the truth. Before the show. I sent a text message to Mr. Ed, and I asked him, hey, man, be my guest co-host tonight. These are your boys. You can do it. And then he he texts me back. He says, I don't think so because Brian and Mike both talk a lot, so I'm not going to be able to get a a word in edgewise. 
I said, Mom, okay. <laughs> is that the secret of keeping Ed away? <laughs> I guess it is. I, I, you know, if that's the secret, I got to write this down. So, so uh, for tough talk, who runs the board? I, I got to know this. That's Oliver. That's Ollie. Okay. That's Ollie from Germany. Yeah. <laughs> Tremendous. Tremendous. Well, let's let's start at the top. Caleb, I'm a bitch, Starnes. What is with that kid? Yeah, that was. Uh... That was that was pretty bad, man. That was about as bad as you're going to get. I mean, um, you know, uh, Nate Quarry was awesome, absolutely awesome in that fight. Uh, his little rocky thing at the end was great. Uh, if he disrespected Caleb for what uh, Caleb was doing, you know, late in that third round, you know, Caleb deserved it because. That was yeah. That that's as bad as it gets. I mean, uh, you know, Caleb should retire. You know, he should hang it up and uh, probably be, you know, never seen again. Hmm. It doesn't get any worse than that. I mean, the guy ran for three rounds. Uh, the funniest part is he's running when, you know, Nate Quarry is blinding and putting the arm across his face and throwing the wicked, you know, the, the little jabs out there, and he's running from that. And, you know, it, he just embarrassed himself. It, it doesn't get any worse than that. He was better off getting his head kicked off in the first round. Yeah, I, I have to agree. But we do have a caller. What's up, Ed? I just heard, like, a request for me to call in here. <laughs> my, first, my first question for Mike is, uh, 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 how many pills have you popped tonight? Was that for me? Uh, uh, yes. Okay, <laughs> babe. I can't, how, many pill, how many tonight, Ed? Yeah, I I um actually I did pop a Laura tab about twenty minutes ago, so I'm, I'm at one. Okay, you're being a good boy today, huh? I'm be, well. It's early. It's eight o'clock. You know. Oh, that's right. I'm man. being a good boy. Yeah, I can't. Uh, I'm getting too old to be uh, abusing myself. Now I may change my mind in about an hour and a half, but right now I'm at one. Is this the geriatric show, Mike, or what? Us old-timers here? It, it is old-timers with Fritz, and uh, I think, Ed, what are you, 36, Ed? Yeah, I'm 36, and I know uh, Fritz is 35. Jeez, I'm oh, 35. shit. Well, I'm the old man, I guess. I'm living like it, too, let me tell you. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm, no. What's well, going on, Ed? Not too much, man. Why don't you tell everybody about that uh, the M the mixed martial arts show you're going to help sponsor on uh, in May? Yeah, we got a uh, I got a three health food stores down here in Vegas uh, that I you know kind of run, and uh, they're going to be sponsoring uh, the, the Tough Enough uh, May 23rd at the uh, Tropicana, and uh, for everybody that comes down uh, for the uh, Figure Four convention that uh, Ed is having. Uh, I think, what do you got, Ed, about 20 guys? Uh, at least 25 for sure. I don't know if everyone's going to, everyone won't be making like every event, but it should be like about 25 altogether. Hazy's co-host will be there. Uh, too bad he got, yeah, too bad he's not on the on the, on the the show tonight. Um, hmm. But yeah, man, we, we're 25 at least, and, well, that's, you know, including you and, that's uh, hopefully the cancer is not booked yet, but hopefully he'll he'll be able to do it pretty soon, and hopefully he'll be there, and we'll have 
we have representation from all the blog talk shows except for uh, Sky Kid. Sky Kid will be the only one who won't be there. Is it? Well, that'll be good, man. What's that? Is he underage? How old is the Sky Kid? Uh, he's he's of age, but he's still pretty young, and he's in New York, so he's not. Okay. I don't think well, I, mean, I don't think yeah. Vegas is his thing, so he's not gonna make it this year. But we'll have K K F for dummies. So we'll have a tough talk and. We'll have Rubber Guard Radio all all represented along with well along with Brian and Vinny and along with uh, Brian Fritz from Between the Ropes. So it's kind of like a little get together of all the wrestling shows that are relevant <laughs> right now. Irrelevant. Irrelevant. Relevant. You know, Robert, we're fucking relevant. Pardon me. Pardon me. I had to get that off my chest. So <laughs> what do what do you guys think of the UFC show this past Saturday? Uh, yeah, it was okay. I mean, the crowd was hot. You know, they they did they had like twenty two thousand people. Uh, first time in Canada. You know, it wasn't a bad show. I got a chance. I worked that night, but uh, I had a chance to watch pretty much all the fights. And uh, you know, I, I went on Brian's show and said, you know, it was good to, to bet on the underdog in this. And I don't think an underdog won a fight. No. So, although Ed, I didn't, I didn't bet that money that you wanted me to bet. So you don't owe me anything. Oh, wow, that's cool. That's a, that's that saves me a whole ten dollars. So yeah, at, at, yeah. At those lines, Mike, how can you not put any money down? Yeah, I, well, tell you me know, about like, it. Fuck. Yeah. Any, any of those fights could have went to the underdog, and uh, you know, it, it was a good show. The crowd definitely made it, and uh, the main event went about as you know what everybody thought was going to happen, and uh, it was a good show. Did you guys see the undercard at all? Uh, some of the fights, yeah. Yeah, that was that was some good stuff. The uh, Sam Stout Clemente fight, that was the fight of the night. That was that was back and forth, right? War, yeah, it was just a yeah. three round war, and it was Clemente got the got the got the decision, but it was it wasn't you know uh, it wasn't a good decision. But no, I, 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 I took good pleasure in seeing Ed Herman get choked. Ugh, I can't stand that guy. I can't stand him. He was out. He got the shit kicked out of him there at the end. You know what's, the, what's about Rich Clemente is that he's going to be fighting in May. He's going to be fighting on the 24th, man, after that fight. No, there's no... Yeah, he's coming back, what, next month? Is it Stout or Clemente? Clemente. He's uh, uh, Rob Emerson pulled out of his fight, so uh, Rich Clemente is taking his place, and he's going to be fighting uh, Edom or Edom. Well, that'll be at the show we're at. Yeah, the show mm-hmm. we're at. It'll Not be good. like he's taking a fight within like four. That's pretty close to be, you know, having a second fight. You know, it's pretty amazing that he's actually doing that. It was nice to see Herman humbled, though. It was I, I took great pleasure in watching Ed Herman get humbled and, uh, you know, choked unconscious. It made me happy. So, and Caleb Starnes, too, it was funny. They, they had posted something up on the board um, about him. I actually did see him at Walmart uh, maybe a month ago, and he was with his boy, his Team Dagger boy, and he was buying tampons. So it pretty much carried over to the fight and how he acted. So, And he's a Cobra Kai guy, so. Yeah. True story. That's a drop. That's a drop right there. 
We're gonna have to. Yeah, that's, that's a draw. True story. He's he's a uh, he's a Mark Lehman student, and anybody that pretty much follows the game knows that once you hook up with him, you're in trouble, and uh, you're gonna go on a losing streak. And you know this is a pretty good example of what happens when you're with uh, Lehman. Hmm. Any more questions, Ed? I'm I'm gonna give you one more question, then I'm gonna cut you off because I, I'm gonna grill Mr. Sawyer myself. Uh, no problem. Uh, who, who's uh, who? What, do, you, do you really think that this is going to be Tito's last match in the UFC? Or do you think that he'll, so if he wins, he'll go keep him around? Do you think it, it could be worked out? Um, I, I think something could be worked. I mean, him, Dana, and him hate each other. Um, you know how much of it is uh, is legit. You know, there's there's some that's legit. Now, uh, Tito, I know this week signed a uh, sponsorship deal with Mickey's, which is uh, part of the Miller Brewing Company, which is a competitor of the Anheuser Busch and Bud Light brand that uh, the UFC goes with. So, you know, either way, if it's his last fight in the UFC, which I, I don't see him beating uh, Lyoto Machida, uh, you know, he can go to Elite XC, he can go to. Uh, you know, Cuban, he can go anywhere he wants, and it'll be a good pickup for whoever gets him. Oh, yeah, maybe we can see a rematch between him and Frank. But, uh, yeah, I'll let you guys go, man. You guys take it easy. Talk to you later, Mike. Take it awesome. easy. Thanks for calling in, Ed. Wow, that was uh, Mr. in San Antonio. Thanks for calling in, Ed. I knew he couldn't stay away long. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even have to text him. He's listening, so... Yeah, I, well, I told him, uh, I texted him that Brian was going to be on the show, and, um, you know, he, he's in love with him, so I knew he'd be listening. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, well, Tito, I, I don't see him coming back um, because, to be honest, he's useless. Um, as far as the UFC is concerned, he's, he's done. There's nothing left for, for him to do with the UFC. I mean, other than Rampage, but that's not going to happen. Yeah. Well, you know, the whole thing with, with Tito is, you know, him and Dana go back and forth, that, you know, that they, you know, obviously in the press. I think, uh, you know, those that are a little closer, a lot of it's a work, um, you know. But here's the thing. He gets choked out by Machida, he's done. If he beats Lyoto Machida, boy, he's going to be up for some negotiations with Dana now. I mean, Machida's an undefeated fighter on the way up, and, uh, you know, Dana, will, that'll be a big headache to see. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I don't think he's going to be able to do it. I think his fighting days are behind him, honestly. I think he had a great career. He was a big draw for them, one of the big, uh, you know, top five draws, without a doubt, for the company. And, uh, you know, now he's got Jenna Jameson, and, you know, they got a movie coming out, the uh, the strippers. What is it, zombie strippers or something? Zombie strippers, yeah, buddy. Zombie strippers. Yeah, buddy. They were actually showing a trailer of it the other night when I went to the movies. It was up. But, uh, you know, uh, he's got other things going on. He was on the uh, Celebrity Apprentice, and, you know, he'll find his way. He's got the successful clothing line, and he's got his gym. There'll always be something for Tito. He's, he's not going to go away for some time. Well, you know, he'll he'll pop his head up somewhere, somehow, some way. Um, you never know. He may end up in New York, but it wouldn't surprise me. No. But uh, Because I, I could see, you know, Vince maybe finally, show, you know, moving into the MMA 
type of uh, uh, company, a uh, division type of thing with Tito on top. Um, well, you know, sense. not only that, I mean, Tito's got a good relationship with TNA, too. True. So, I mean, um, you know, it, it, I mean, he's a huge wrestling mark. I mean, he grew up idolizing Hogan. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm sure he had, he, I think Vince was on Celebrity Apprentice. I'm not sure if it was the same show Tito was on, but I'm pretty sure they, uh, they have talked. And, uh, you know, Tito's very marketable in anything he does. They don't even have, they can use him once or twice a year, maybe even. And uh, pretty much they can use him for interviews and talk. He's, uh, you know, hey, man, like I said, I think his fighting days are over. Unless he proves me wrong, he's had a bad back now for many years. Didn't just happen last year or the year before. His back's been shot for at least five years. So, you know, but Tito's charismatic, and uh, he'll find something. It'd be, it'd be nice to see him up there with Vince or, or even, even with TNA. I mean, it might make me watch it once in a while. How about Tito working a program with, say, Joe or Angle? Uh, you know, anything would be good for TNA. With that, that UWFI type style that they those two used at the last the last pay per view, that more realistic uh, MMA well not MMA based but influence style, I think I think it may work. Uh, it, it worked at least for those two. I mean, those two. But you got to remember, those two had a good year of uh, of matches, and uh, were used to working with each other. They and they brought Frank Triggin, who I thought did an excellent job. Uh, is commentating on the show. I think Tito and that could do it. I mean, anything, like I said, for TNA, which I think I've seen maybe two shows in the last year, uh, anything would be good. I mean, uh, Tito versus Ed from San Antonio would probably buy, you know, be interesting to make me watch anything that I'm watching when I turn that on. But uh, I, I think an MMA-style match could, uh, could work, and, and you had Angle and Joe, and I thought that was a great match. Okay, on June 21st at the Pearl in Vegas, you have the Ultimate Fighter finale. Um, Mm -hmm. On the show, we have Ken DeGrove against Evan Tanner. And Mr. Meltzer is saying that, quote, unquote, I got this from uh, figure4online.com, by the way, quote, unquote, special double secret stipulations. What do you think? Loser leaves town? Well, obviously, yeah. It'll be a loser leave town, or maybe Evan's got to give up his weed. One of the two. That could be a, a special stipulation for that. But uh, you know, I, obviously, you know, it'll be two losses for Evan. It'll be two or three for uh, Kendall Grove. So the loser's pretty much done. Uh, and it'll break my heart if it's Evan Tanner. He's such a great guy. He's fun to watch. Got a great website. It's a good story. They should have had him on the Ultimate Fighter. And um, you know, hopefully, he can beat Kendall Grove. It might be another, uh, you know, I, I think he can. We'll see. I mean, Kendall's been a lot more active, but uh, it, it would break my heart to see Evan Tanner uh, out of the UFC. Well, if, if Tanner can get in close, he has a chance. Because Grove has those sick-looking arms and legs that are just so goddamn long and those, yeah. those sick elbows. But I just I hope that Evan gets in there and just beats the living fuck out of him. I cannot stand Kendall Grove either. It's going to be tough. Grove is a tough matchup uh, for the style for Tanner. Grove is a very length, lanky guy. Uh, he's, you know, he's decent off his back. You know, hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully Evan trains properly. I know he is. He he was living out here in Vegas, 
Uh, and, uh, you know, hopefully he puts it all together. I'd really like to see a, a big win for him. And uh, we can get rid of another one of the uh, alumni there. Get rid of Kendall Grove. He can go back to Hawaii and and uh, train like he wants to. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Go, go back and roll around with BJ Penn, which you know I, I don't have. Which is a, which is a plus. Yeah, but I, I don't which think is a plus. His, I don't think it could help his attitude and and his outlook. You know, he, he was just a prick on the show. And he's been a prick on the mic. He's been a prick in interviews. I, and it's not like it, you know. It's not like he's trying to play a character because he comes off as genuinely being a dick. And that that I I just I can't respect that because I honestly feel that he doesn't respect the game. You know, I get that. He's talking about Grove, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah well, you know, Grove was. Uh... You know, Groves, I've seen him out here a few times. Uh, he was training with Tito. He loves Tito. They had a nice little thing over there in uh, California. And, um, you know, you get to see, living out here, you get to see everybody. That's one of the things about Vegas. You never know who you're going to run into. And, uh, you know, which is usually a pleasant experience. I haven't had too many negative ones, but, uh, you know, it'd be nice to see him humbled and sent home. But we'll see. We'll see what Evan brings on that day. Well, any Frank Mir sightings? I did see Frank. I saw Frank uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, I went and did a club run when, uh, you know, checking out and see how many people were in some of the other clubs. And, you know, obviously, they, you know, you got to kind of hide in there. They they know me at that, that, that the uh, Rhino. But, you know, you got to sneak in at the right time or they'll toss you out if they know you're from an opposing club. And uh, as soon as you walk in, there's Mr. Mirror, right to the right. He works the rhino room, looking big as ever. And, um, you know, I've had uh, I've had a few run-ins with Frank, but, uh, you know, <clears throat> I'm glad to see he's back on a winning streak. I'm happy for him. I was always a fan of Frank Mirror. Um, if he trained and actually took it serious, I mean, he's very, very dangerous off his back. He's uh, He's got great jiu-jitsu. Uh, you know, I, I'm pulling for him. It's, it's a good comeback story for what happened to him. But he's going to have to pick up the training. I mean, it, it's hard to work in these clubs with the smoke and the alcohol and the shit that goes on in there. And, you know, you're there till 5, 6 in the morning, and then you decide you're going to train for a fight for two weeks. You know, that's, it's, it's rough. you got, you got to go a little longer than that. And Frank usually takes about two, three weeks to train for his fights. Well... There's a reason he's a heavyweight. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, he's a big guy. Frank yeah, is a big, big man. Big, big guy. So um, yeah. what's next for Frank? Maybe, uh, maybe a contender-type fight, and then um, why the hell not? A I don't think fight? so. I think, I think they're going to give him Nuguera, I think, right at away. UFC 85. Hmm. I think that's one of the rumored things with Liddell out with the hamstring injury. I think the rumored is, uh, is Frank is going to get the title shot. Wow. He's supposed to be fighting Justin McCauley, but I think that fight was actually taken off UFC.com, and I think it was taken, you know. I think they're, uh, I think they might just throw him in with Nagara, try to save that uh, card with Liddell off of it. I know they're trying to uh, put together Bisping and Chris Lieben as another fight on that show, you know. So if you could put, yeah, I mean, if you, if you could put Mir, I mean, nothing's going to replace Chuck. 
as far as, uh, you know, they've already sold it out, so it doesn't matter. But nothing's going to replace Chuck as far as uh, the buy rate. But as far as, you know, the, the loyal uh, fans, if you can see McGarren and Frank and, um, you know, Lieben and Bisping, I mean, it's something. So, you know, if they can put that together, it might, uh, it's definitely going to help that card out. I, I have to agree. That That's going to be fun. Um, and I wouldn't touch that 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 line at all. Nagara and Mir, I wouldn't touch it. Um, no. That's just one fight that I, I couldn't, you know, even put a dollar on. Just, it, it's, anything can happen. And that's the perfect example of, of what MMA is nowadays. Anything can happen. You know, it could be the hands, it could be a tap. I mean, it could be fucking anything with these two guys. I mean, they, they could hump for five rounds. You know, you, you just it would be a very slow hump with Frank. Yes, yes. It would be a very slow hump. I, I, you got the number one and number two guys in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as far as the heavyweight division goes. Um, you know, Nogueira obviously can go the five rounds. He can take a, a pounding. He always finds a way to win. Yeah, and then some. And I mean, he always finds a way to win. Mir is probably the most dangerous heavyweight in under three minutes there is. You know, he's a, he, he is dangerous in that first round. He can catch anybody. He's strong. And he doesn't just, you know, he doesn't try to catch you to submit you. He wants to break you. So he gets a hold of you. You get a little fear in you knowing that a guy wants to break your arm or leg like that. And uh, that's going to be interesting to see, especially on the feet. It's, it's, it's going to be an interesting fight. Um, and it would, it's a huge comeback story for Frank, who had the motorcycle accident. So, you know, I'll, I'll be pulling for him. I, I, I've bashed him in the past. I've interviewed him, I, you know, and everything. But I, I've bashed Frank in the past, but I would like to see him win. It'd be a nice story. Well, that, it'll, it'll mix things up, you know, which is exactly. always good. Which is always exactly. good for the sport. Um, well, the rumors, uh, they're trying to put together Bisping and Lieben. Do you think Lieben is going to be the man to knock the asshole out of Bisping, his attitude? I, I, I would love to see it. I would love to see it. Uh, you know, Chris Lieben's a guy with heavy hands. Um, he can take a pounding as well. You know, maybe he's the kind of guy for Bisping. If he had, Bisping doesn't have the best chin in the world. So... You know, that that could be the first, uh, the first. although Bisping did look, even though I can't stand the guy, he did look pretty good at 185. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, obviously he was fighting Charles McCarthy, who actually announced his retirement today. No, uh, really. Off the heels of, off the loss, yeah. So he's retired, he's gone. I think he's, uh, he's going to be teaching at his uh, Boca MMA facility, which is like a American top team uh, affiliate. But uh, I would love to see Lieben knock him out. Well, if if Bisping gets through gets through Lieben, then that's his. Lieben is his gatekeeper, and that'll bring him you know up towards the top. Uh, maybe maybe with Franklin, or uh, get him close to Silva. Um, who's going to be the one to stop Anderson Silva? I personally think it's going to be GSP, but that's just me because I don't see any other UFC middleweight being able to to come in and take out Anderson. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think Anderson's going to be the only guy that can beat himself at this point. I, I think, well, I, first off, I think, I think uh, if Bisping wins, they give him Franklin. And then I think Bisping gets annihilated. 
I don't think he's ready for Rich. I'm not saying Franklin's all that great, but at this point, I don't think this being, uh, I don't think that's a good matchup for him. And and then what do you do? You get. Fr- I, I do not want to see Rich Franklin and Anderson Silva again. No, it's not fair to Rich. <laughs> no, it's or his family. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's it not fair, fair to anybody. Doctor, but it may be fair for his doctor and his plastic surgeon, but just that's not right. fair to his family. It'll be fair for his pocket, but uh, you know, I mean, he, he he will get annihilated again. It's a horrendous matchup for him. I really thought Dan, Dan Henderson was going to beat Anderson Silva. I I was shocked that he gets submitted. Uh, I'll never go against Anderson Silva again. Maybe the best pound-for-pound guy. As far as GSP goes, you know, GSP's looked awesome. He doesn't want to stand anymore with anybody. Phenomenal wrestler. You know, he took Koscheck down, who's just great uh, at will. Matt Hughes, he dominated. Sarah, he dominated. And, uh, you know, I mean... He's not, standing wise, he's going to get killed. I, I don't think he'll want to stand with Anderson Silva. The thing is, with Silva, though, Silva's very lazy at times. His takedown defense is, is very, very lazy, but he's very dangerous off his back. So I don't think anyone, I, I don't see Anderson Silva losing the rest of this year. Do you see anybody out, out there that that's. Uh... I'm not going to say free agent, but not signed to UFC that they could maybe bring in, maybe Linland. Oh no, Linland would get his ass kicked. Mm-hmm. He'd get his ass kicked. Maybe, uh, maybe a Jake Shields, who's in Elite XC. Maybe something like that. But there's, there's, uh, you know, right now he's at the top of his game. Jake is Jake is 170. I think Jake is the the one guy that could put a hurting on GSP. And as far as Silva. I, uh, this is just because I'm from the Bay Area. I would love to see Anderson Silva in the Shark Tank defending that title against Kung Lee. But that's just me. That would give me a personal hard on because you know, yeah. Kung, Kung Lee's the big the big dog now. You know he knocked Frank off of his off of his throne. Now this is Kung Lee's house. Um, I'll tell you that really I was really disappointed with that too. It really broke my heart to see Shamrock get his ass kicked. As a guy who sponsors Baroni, it, uh, it it really broke me up. It, it's I think it's I think it's time for Frank to move behind the camera and you know and and go commentate and you know help help with the office stuff as far as Strikeforce is concerned. Um, I don't. There's only the one fight left, and that's that's Ken. And I think that's going to be the next one. They're going to do another eighteen thousand people house again at the Shark Tank. And that's the last money fight as far as um, Strike Force is concerned. Which well, he he, he probably has three. He probably has three fights remaining that that would draw huge. Obviously, a rematch with Kung Lee uh, would, would get the interest up. And you got the match with Ken, and then if Tito Ortiz goes over there, uh, that those would be his big fights. What weight would it be? Uh, it would have to be a, a, a catch weight, you know, probably, uh, you know, Tito walks around 225 normally. So they'd have to have a catch weight at maybe 200. You know, 195, 200 maybe. That would be a big fight too. You know, I, you know, I think 
You know what? That, yeah, that would be a money fight out here. Tito in the in the in the large Hispanic community of San Jose. That's, mm-hmm. uh, that's money. That's money. So I someone needs to uh, inform Strikeforce <clears throat> that that's the money fight. Oh, I, I think they know. I, I think they. Uh, I think they're eyeing Tito for sure. I think. I think they. They would believe me. I think Tito's washed up as a, as a fighter, unless you know, unless maybe he breaks up with Jenna, and uh, you know, totally dedicates himself. But his back is shot. His back is in bad shape. But you know, Tito's a competitor. But uh, that would be a huge fight. Anywhere Tito fights is going to draw. Tito's one of the biggest rated, you know, uh, for as far as drawing buys and rated guys in, in UFC history. So that would be a, a huge, huge rematch fight. And uh, and like I said, the Kung Lee would be big. And then Ken would be, you know, Ken would be big as well. What Ken's going to be able to do, I don't know. But it'll be big. Okay, well, let's uh, let's say this. Kung Lee would be first. If if I were booking Strike Force, I would put the Kung Lee fight first, and then Tito, and then Ken to to end it. Let him go out either way. Um. That way, you know his career is full circle, and he's able to walk away, you know, uh, with his head head high and whatever. And um, do you think that would be the order of the fights? Maybe. Depends. Depends with the injury. Uh, I would think that uh, Frank might fight maybe one more time this year. I don't know if they'll give him Kung right away, you know. Um, but I, I think I think all three of those fights are going to be. I think all three will be ha- uh, happening by at least the end of 2009. I think you'll see uh, Tito Kung and Ken against Frank, and then that'll probably be it for him. Yeah, I, I don't I don't see him going. Going any further, just yeah. I mean, he for one, he's okay. He's a he he's a specimen, and and he's in phenomenal shape. He has great genetics, uh, but also he's starting to break down in ways that that fighters don't like to get broken down. You don't like knee injuries when you you know when you throw those monster leg kicks. <clears throat> so he may be you know actually breaking down physically. So yeah, well he's you know, older. He's breaking down. I think he's in, he's going to be in a hurry to to get that to get quote unquote get that shit in, you know. It, yeah, I think he will. I think that uh, you know Frank is a master promoter, and um, as far as uh, you know building up for a fight, man, he's right up there. He is right up there, and uh, his his build up with the Baroni fight was was awesome. All the stuff that he put on his website and YouTube and. It's just awesome, awesome job on his part, and he looked great in that fight. Both guys were hurt. Baroni had his groin ripped off the bone. Oh, Frank was, God. yeah, oh, yeah. Fuck, man, that was not nice. That no, was not, right. that was not a pretty picture, man. Phil had a hernia. <laughs> Phil had a hernia before the fight, and then right in that opening exchange, when he threw a few knees and punches on the cage, and he ripped his groin right off the bone. So. He was flat-footed, and Frank was hurt, too. Both guys were hurt in that fight. And, uh, you know, it was it was a war. I mean, uh, Phil got his ass kicked that first round, got his ass kicked standing. So, but he's got, I mean, and one thing with Phil, he's got the heart of a champ. I mean, he went out in the second round, and he uh, 
he gave it everything he had. He's not he's not going to tap. And uh, it was a good uh, that was a great fight. Great crowd heat. Great everything for that. Frank is just a master master promoter, and I'll look forward to watching him over the next year. I look forward to Frank's fights a lot more than I look forward to Ken's fights. I can tell you that much. Yeah, yeah. I, I to be honest, I was never really a Shamrock fan. I I don't know, or uh, a Ken fan. It just he just never clicked with me. I, I don't know why. Um, I did like his WWE work when he when he did work in the WWE. That was fun because um, you knew he was a shooter, but I also knew he was a trained. You know, he did some training too. You know, he was a trained wrestler, pro wrestler before, but it it was you know something different at that time. Um, yeah. You know, it's just something different. You know, that, that's yeah, I mean, that was the time when uh, I mean, pretty much his MMA career went out the window once he left. I mean, that return fight with Tito, he got destroyed, just buried. And it, w- it was nice to see him up there. It was, um, you know, I mean, uh, I think at the time when they brought him in, you know, they they were trying to build up Vader as the shooter, this big tough guy, and they, they put him right away in with a program with him. And, uh, you know, Ken was fun while he was there. He was fun. Um, I can't say I've enjoyed too much of what he's done in the last three years, including the win over Timo. But, you know... What can you do? The same could be said for a Tank Abbott or some of these other guys that kind of paved the way. True, very true. Well, let's um, talk about pro wrestling because you are also a pro wrestling fan. Um, you got a chance to watch the last Joe Angle fight uh, match. Ah, see, mm-hmm. did you hear me? I said fight. That's the right. Last match. What, what did you think of it? Uh, you know, they took a big chance doing something like that. Uh, but it worked. It was actually something that TNA actually, they, they told a story that you could follow, and some believed, and uh, it, and it worked. It was good that uh, they finally put something together like that. I mean, it, it, I mean, you got to have a guy like uh, Kurt Angle or, or Samoa Joe to, to get an angle like that done in TNA. But I, I was a fan. I was very impressed with Frank Trigg. I thought he did a, a great job. Uh, they got to turn Don West's microphone off. They need to kill that guy. Hang they him. should, yeah, they should kill him. He, uh, man, I listen to him, and he just, he just reminds me of a guy that has everything. And, and I don't know this, but he just reminds me of a guy who looks like he has everything scripted on a piece of paper and is told what to say. And anytime something exciting happens, which isn't too often, he's screaming like a lunatic, and uh, he's terrible. Yeah, he, he needs to go back to the home shopping club or whatever the hell he was doing before. That guy yeah. Is bad. Yeah, he's um, he's really bad. But I think that, that kind of style could work. Like he brings Tanay down, who's a brilliant announcer when he's able to to go out there and do what he does. Share his knowledge. Oh yeah. He's brilliant. You know, in WCW when they were using him just for you know the the luchadors or the cruiserweight stuff, that was brilliant. Because he he just you know he was calling what he knew and I, I feel really bad for Tanay because you know he's really talented but he's stuck with shit and it's really hard to make chicken salad out of the chicken shit and it's a shame but um well back to Joe and Angle um do you think that well let's let's talk about Tanay's you you mentioned Tanay Tanay's actually from Vegas uh he had a he was one of the first guys to have a radio show out here uh, back in the early 90s. 
he used to do it from one of the casinos out here. And I actually, his, uh, when I did the, uh, when I worked for WCW in the UWF, and I did the, uh, the 900 hotlines and all that stuff back in the 90s, his son uh, actually replaced me when I moved back to New York. It was actually uh, Mike Tenet's son. Um, but uh, Mike is just an encyclopedia of knowledge. I mean, it, he's tough to look at with the facial expressions, and, you know, he looks like a big pussy, you know. Uh, but he's uh, he knows his stuff, and uh, you know I do feel bad for him. anybody that's with Don West. I feel really bad for. Yeah, I have to agree with you. Um, I, I can't I can't watch the the product at all. Um, I'll admit the last I did get the last show, the lockdown, just because I wanted to see the um, the Joe and Angle and um, the uh, X Division uh, match they had just. I'm a huge Curry man, Mark. So, <clears throat> but uh, I, I can't stomach it. And to be honest, I don't watch WWE either. I, I just can't do it. Um, I'm not gonna say I'm old school. I'm gonna I'm gonna quote Alex Sane on this one. I'm not old school. I'm not new school. I just like shit done right. Yeah, I, you, know, you know, I've watched probably three full shows. Uh, when it first got on the air, and that's only because when I lived in New York, uh, Johnny Swinger was my neighbor uh, for a long time, and we used to train together. And, uh, you know, so I listened to I, I watched it because he was on the opening show. That was it. And then I watched the Joe fight. In between, you know, if you're not a fan of – if you're a fan of wrestling but you don't know the TNA guys – you know, you, you basically turn on the TV and everything's moving so fast, you have no idea what the fuck's going on. Yeah. It's impossible to keep up with. It's a shame because they have one of the best tag teams in the world, the Motor City Machine Guns, and I can watch those guys all day from Japan, but I can't stomach their stuff in TNA. Just not because of them, not because of their work. It's just it's you have a 20-minute match in three minutes, and the people they're working with and, and the, the wacky shit that they have them doing, that's not it, man. People need to go out of their way. Zero one, January 1st, 2008, Motor City Machine Guns against Hadaka and Dick Togo. Match of the year. My pick for match of the year. That's what those guys are about. Going 25 minutes. Putting yeah. in the tag team it, it's a shame that they're not able to show what they can do. Well, you got you, you know you, you from what I can tell and see from the limited time that I've watched is you got a bunch of guys there who don't know how to work television. That's very you got a bunch of guys who who and it's not their fault. They're not given any time. You know, basically they got to get in there. Nobody knows most of them, so they've got what a three minute. They got three minutes to go out there and do all their moves, and they want to get everything up out of the way. And everybody wants to go out there and, and do all their big spots, you know, and all that. And, you know, you just can't do that all the time. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't work. Well, the, 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 the little bit of the TV that I've caught, I've noticed some of the guys, excuse me, that, that didn't come from New York, that came from Indies and whatnot, that they don't know how to work the camera. They don't know how to do that. And friends of the show, the Tomasellis out of Chicago, they they have traveled around the country to different spots. They came to California, learned the stronger style. 
they went to Georgia and worked for Bill Barron's and Wildside and learned how to work TV, work the camera. And the guys don't – they're not learning properly how to work the camera side, how to work where the camera's at in the ring. And you can really tell that by TNA and it, it, because these, these guys – and it's not just the director. Okay, I, I, I'm upset with Brian when Brian buries the director for the TNA shows because it's not always their fault. Sometimes the guys just don't know how to work the cameras, and they just don't know. And that's where a developmental type of thing would come in, ha- come in very handy for TNA. Um, wh- what do you think of uh, TNA getting some type of a developmental somewhere, somehow? Do you think it will happen? I don't know if it will happen, but, I mean, it's definitely something that they need. You know, like I said, if you're not in the WWE, you're going to want to be in TNA, I guess. And, you know, you're going to go up there. You know, if you don't have a lot of time on television, uh, you know, you're put in a spot where, hey, okay, look, we're going to put you on the show. you got three minutes to do this. Here's the finish. Now all these guys want to get everything every single time they're out there. They're taking crazy bump after crazy bump, getting it all out there, no stories being told. It's just a bunch of shit. And, you know, for those who have watched it for a long time, they don't like that. You can't keep up with it. The, there's no, there's no storyline. But so they definitely need some type of developmental. They need something going on up there. That's for sure. Well, they're with uh, with the people that they have backstage working with them, um, their agents and whatnot. You would think that they would, you know, be able to, you know, pick up something. You know, it, you have Dutch Mantel who who has done. You, you want to know how to brawl? Talk to Dutch. You want to know how to how to tell a good story? For a 20-minute brawl, bloodbath, talk to Dutch. He will teach you. They're not learning. It's, it's, oh, it, it just it really bothers me. It's, it's like these guys are out there trying to make a highlight tape. Yeah, that's it. You know? There's nobody yeah. telling any story. Yeah. And then the problem is, not only is there nobody telling any story, but the guy telling the story is Don West, oh. as far as the announcing team goes. So you're fucked. <laughs> You're completely, you're completely fucked. You've got a, a complete imbecile screaming, just putting. I mean, to the average fan, it's it's terrible. It's just ridiculous. You know, Lawler gets old after a while, but not to that extent. But at least, at least Lawler's trying to be funny. It's something. Yeah, Lawler can be funny, exactly. And then you have the comedy guy. You know, you you don't have the 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 doofus that's that's echoing what's going on in the ring. You know, yeah. I, God, wrestling people should do wrestling. That's just my opinion. Well, maybe they should just maybe they should cut the other guy, and maybe maybe we should just have you know I will actually watch this because it'll be so bad. Maybe they should put Don West and Mike Adamley together. Oh God. And I, I will actually watch that show just to see how horrendous it is. <laughs> I will <laughs> actually, if they ever did. <laughs> If they ever ended up in the same territory together, I, I, I would love to love to hear that. Uh, with Vince Russo booking the show, oh, train wreck! Oh, please, you got to have Vince. <laughs> you got to have Vince Russo booking the show. Although they would probably have Mike Adamley as the champ if Vince Russo was booking the show. Well, you mentioned Adamley. I'm not going to bury the guy, but do you think that Joey Styles stepped down? Or do you think he was forced out? In, in your opinion? Uh, well, I think it's I think it's probably a little bit of both. But you know, I, I bet you Joey's happy. 
I, know I bet you, I bet that. you, uh, I bet you he's happy what he's doing. Maybe they'll put him on the internet show. You know, he can, uh, he can do WWE.com. He doesn't, you know, I mean, you're looking, you're, you're talking about a guy who, you know, he had to, you know, at least when Paul Heyman was feeding him lines, you know, in ECW, I mean, it, it was fresh, it was new, it was exciting. He's getting lines fed by people he doesn't respect. And he's getting lines fed to him by people he doesn't like. So he's not anything to brag about either. There's nothing he could really do, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, so... When he would be on the air uh, for the new ECW, it, it would come off like he's lying to you. You know, he... Well, he's a totally he, different... Yeah, he's a totally different guy. You don't get the feeling. You, know, you don't get the feeling from, you know, like 96 ECW, where, where you're fucking compelled. You're biting your nails watching the TV. You don't get yeah. that. You know, it, Joey's not able to tell the stories and get things over the way that... That... that uh. He was back in the day, but, you know, of course, that's Vince's fingerprints, and, and I didn't expect anything else. Yeah, there's nothing Joey could do. I mean, back in the ECW days, he was great. He was their voice. You know, and basically, I don't think he ever respected WWE. I don't think he ever respected I think when they would come out every week and talk about, you know, and bury Vince, I think he believed it. He got that five-year contract from Vince. Um, but, you know, then he got the, uh, the, the horse collar put on. There was nothing he could do. Mm-hmm. So he was a shell of his former self. I think he was miserable. He didn't want to be there. And uh, he's probably very happy in any other capacity. He's probably very happy to be off that TV. Yeah, I, I don't blame him. I, ugh, I, ugh, no way. You, in any line of work, you should be proud of what you do and not be ashamed to say, I do this for a living. And I'm pretty sure that Joey Styles is ashamed to say I was a commentator for New York, and that's just oh, my sure. personal opinion. And and the thing is, you can hell, you can even look on WWE 24/7 and see it. Yeah. That's what's sad is you can order the on-demand and and see Joey Styles in his prime, which is right now they're running TV 1996, his prime. And you can see that, then you then you can see what he's done before he left, and it is just it's sad. It just saddens me because oh okay, the guys in the wrestling business, for all intended purposes, are whores. They sell their bodies for money, no problem. They accept that. That's cool. But I think it's it's kind of fucked up that Joey did it. Joey, you know, he took the money. That's the bottom line. He took the money. Yeah. You know, well, and, and he was put in a very, uh, you know, an impossible spot. He was going to replace Jr. So, I mean, that's not going to work. Whoever comes in, it, it's just not going to happen. Uh, you know, but a lot of people got to remember, too, when he was back with Heyman, he had a lot of stuff fed to him as well. But he had good stuff fed to him, and he was used to the system, and, and, and they were passionate about what they did. They used to be at Paul's house all the time, cutting the promos down in his mother's basement. And, uh, and over at Dreamer's house. And, you know, they were passionate about the product. They believed in it. And he came over here and he saw the system, and now he's got Vince and those guys in the, in the ear. So he didn't, you know, he didn't believe anything that he was being told to say. So it just wasn't going to work. Oh, cool. Well, Mr. Ferris, I'm going to cut you off a little early. I do All have right. A question. When are we going to have the return of Tough Talk? 
We need it back on the air. Uh, you know, we're going to be doing it uh, from time to time. Uh, Oliver's got a, a busy schedule, um, and, and I do. I'm working just a shitload of hours up at the club. And uh, once we can uh, narrow it down to a, to a better time and a better day and everything, we'll be, uh, we'll be back up and running. I got some guests lined up uh, that people that have already said they'd be on that'll make good guests. And, uh, you know, it's a good, it, it was a decent show. We just like to have, but I want to have fun. Don't do, if you're not going to have a good time doing the show and you can't say what you want, then don't do it. So, you know, hopefully in the future we can, uh, Oliver's a great guy and we can get back together and we'll be uh, back on the air. Cool. So um, is there any way that, that people can follow, you know, your misadventures? Do you have a MySpace or something like that? Uh, actually, I, I'm, embarrassed to, I'm embarrassed to say I do have a MySpace. Uh, it's uh, Mike Sawyer Kayfabe. And uh, basically, I'm you know, pretty much on Brian's site on Figure Four Weekly. If you join up there, I'm on the board. Uh, a little too much, to be honest with you. And, uh, yeah, you can pretty much follow me on there and the different shows. And, you know, I'll do a couple shows with Brian or do some different things. That's pretty much it. Cool, cool. Well, Mike, thanks for, uh, thanks for your time tonight, brother. It was uh, my pleasure. It was fun. Yeah, I had a good time, man. Keep up the good work. Well, uh, we'll have to get you on next time with Coughlin. We're going to have to have a little debate. Well, put me and Mikey on. I would, I would love to do a show with Coughlin. I would love to do a show. I know, I, I know on the board we, uh, we got into it a little bit, but I like Mike. I think Mike is a, uh, a very smart guy when it comes to MMA. So it would be fun to do a show with Mike. He knows his shit, man, and you can't deny it. You know, he knows his shit. So. He knows his shit. He breaks fights down just as good as anybody, and he's a, uh, I sponsored him, for Christ's sake, you know, uh, when he was going to fight, although he didn't fight. And I like Coughlin. I like him. So if me and him got on a show together, that would be uh, – Pretty interesting. Awesome, awesome. Well, I'm gonna cut you off. I gotta run down some plugs and whatnot for my sponsors and all that fun stuff. You know, I gotta pay cool. the bills. So go do it. Like I said, once again, thanks for coming on, brother. And we will be definitely talking to you soon. Sounds good, man. All right, thanks, Michael. Thank you. All right. Well, that was the Red Famous. The Red Famous. Uh, Mike Sawyer from Las Vegas. He. Uh, is a frequent contributor at uh, F4WOnline.com, um, and he's definitely a good guy. Um, it was a fun, fun show this week. We had uh, Brian Fritz from uh, BetweenTheRopes.com on the first hour, and the second hour was Mr. Sawyer. Um, good stuff. We had uh, we had some pro wrestling talk. Uh, we talked about Indies, WWE, um, WrestleMania, even the Hall of Fame, uh, mixed martial arts. And all kinds of stuff. You know, we even got to bury TNA and that dumb shit Don West. Um, I wanted to uh, get Mike off the line because uh, I, I do want to uh, congratulate a friend of the show. Um, Rob Feinstein at our video has gotten a pay-per-view slot for his Life in the Fast Lane uh, DVD. It's a documentary on the pro wrestling business. It'll be airing throughout May and June on TVN affiliates, which include Charter, Mediacom, RCN, Insight, AT&T, and Verizon. It's a collection of interviews with many of the biggest stars in the industry talking about the perils of life in the industry. This is good. I've seen it, and it, it, this is really good stuff. Um, I really suggest that everybody check this out. 
it's it's well worth your your uh, your uh, on-demand dime. Um, plus, you know, Rob's a good guy. No matter what anybody says, Rob's a good guy. Yeah, he's got a good heart. You know, and, and you know he he he's not afraid to uh, you know speak his mind, and you know he also you know brings us those cool shoot interviews and whatnot. So, but yeah, enough of that. Um, one quick hard plug: if you are anywhere in the Southern California region this weekend, we have the SoCal Pro Wrestling one-year anniversary this Saturday. Um, the main event for the SoCal Pro title, the returning Alcatraz, will be taking on Jason Redondo for the vacant title. Uh, it should be good. Um, they also have, for the NWA World Heavyweight title, a couple friends of our show, actually. Scrap Iron and Adam Pierce will defend the, the NWA title against SoCal Crazy. Um, their first match that I saw in January was just off the charts. Uh, good stuff. Um, we have uh, 0-10, Ricky Mandel against Chimera. Um, I have the feeling that this is going to be Ricky Mandel's night. After uh, after last month, um, where uh, Mr. Mandel kept up with uh, Adam Pierce, I think that uh, Mr. Mandel's time has come for, you know, to get out on the on the winning end of the stick, per se. Uh, also, we have, which should be a kick-ass tag match, uh, the Balor Brothers against the Young Bucks. Um, what can you say? Okay, The Young Bucks are all over the NWA um, TV now, uh, NWA Showcase. They're working all over the country. Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, um, Bart's AWS. They were in New Jersey last weekend. Uh, they're uh, preparing to go on a tour of Dragon Gate. What more can you want in that match? You have the Ballards, who've been the, the measuring stick for, for tag team independent wrestlers for the last, shit, 10-plus years. Uh, we, uh, what more? What more can you ask for there? Uh, it's a pretty stacked show. Um, that's, that's all that I have now. I, I don't have the complete lineup or anything, but you can get all that at SoCalProWrestling.com. <clears throat> okay, let's run down other uh, other plugs. Our website, RubberGuardRadio.com, where we archive our shows. Um, I also have columnists there. Um, they haven't been updated for a few weeks, but that will be changing in the very near future. Um, things have been kind of hectic here at the RubberGuard headquarters. Um, also, you can hit us on MySpace. Um, we'll gladly add you as a friend. Um, if you're in the business, wrestler, promoter, manager, referee, uh, announcer, even you, Don West, you can uh, send us a friend request and maybe we can get you on the show. Uh, MySpace.com backslash RoboGuardRadio. Um, we run down our other sponsors. Uh, WrestleWarehouse.com um, for all your wrestling DVD needs, uh, Lucha Masks, WWE Swag. He also... Uh, Jeff also got in some CMLL action figures, which are pretty cool. Um, yeah, that that might be something you might want to check out. Uh, those are pretty cool. You can get those at WrestleWarehouse.com. And our other sponsor would be my home promotion up here in Northern California, FogCityWrestling.com. Um, they have a DVD release party in May. 
I'm not sure about the date, but you can get that information at FoxCityWrestling.com. And they have a show coming up in July, if I remember right. I'm pretty sure it's July. I think it's I think it's July 5th. July 5th sounds about right. Um, that would be at Kizar Auditorium off of Hate. It's a beautiful building. Um, it should be fun. I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag on who's coming in, but there should be some guests from out of town. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying who. I'm not saying why or where. Nope. But there should be guests from out of town. That's all I'm saying. Um, I'll tell you, if you haven't seen the Fog City product, you need to go out of your way to see it. Um, it's just something different, completely different. You can get the DVD of their first show on their website, um, the debut show. Uh, January 12th, 08, was just really fun. Um, had a really fun main event. Um, good stuff, top to bottom, good work. Um, a lot of entertainment there. A hot crowd. The Fox City crowd's just hot. Um, no, I'm running down my last few seconds. Uh, Alex, call me later. Love and Jess, I, I love you, Jess. Hello? Hello? With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.